Chapter fifty two of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume three, Part one, by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. D'Artagnan's Lesson Raoul did not meet with D'Artagnan the next day as he had hoped. He only met with Planchet, whose joy was great at seeing the young man again, and who contrived to pay him two or three little soldierly compliments, savoring very little of the grocer's shop. But as Raoul was returning the next day from Vincennes, at head of fifty dragoons confided to him by Monsieur Le Prince, he perceived in La Place Baudoyer a man with his nose in the air, examining a house as we examine a horse we have a fancy to buy. This man, dressed in citizen costume, buttoned up like a military porpent, a very small hat on his head, but a long chagrin-mounted sword by his side, turned his head as soon as he heard the steps of the horses, and left off looking at the house to look at the dragoons. It was simply Monsieur d'Artagnan, d'Artagnan on foot, d'Artagnan with his hands behind him, passing a little review upon the dragoons after having reviewed the buildings. Not a man, not a tag, not a horse's hoof escaped his inspection. Raoul rode at the side of his troop, and d'Artagnan perceived him the last. "'Eh!' said he. "'Eh! Mordieu!' "'I was not mistaken.' cried raoul turning his horse towards him mistaken no good day to you replied the ex-musketeer whilst raoul eagerly pressed the hand of his old friend take care raoul said d'artagnan the second horse of the fifth rank will lose a shoe before he gets to the pont marie he has only two nails left in his off forefoot wait a minute i will come back said raoul can you quit your detachment? The cornet is there to take my place. Then you will come and dine with me. Most willingly, Monsieur d'Artagnan. Be quick, then. Leave your horse, or make them give me one. I prefer coming back on foot with you. Raoul hastened to give notice to the cornet, who took his post. He then dismounted, gave his horse to one of the dragoons, and with great delight seized the arm of Monsieur d'Artagnan, who had watched him during all these little evolutions with the satisfaction of a connoisseur. "'What, do you come from Vincennes?' said he. "'Yes, Monsieur le Chevalier.' "'And the Cardinal?' "'Is very ill. It is even reported he is dead.' "'Are you on good terms with Monsieur Fouquet?' asked D'Artagnan, with a disdainful movement of the shoulders, proving that the death of Mazarin did not affect him beyond measure." with monsieur fouquet said raoul i do not know him so much the worse so much the worse for a new king always seeks to get good men in his employment oh the king means no harm replied the young man i say nothing about the crown cried d'artagnan i am speaking of the king the king that is monsieur fouquet if the cardinal is dead you must contrive to stand well with Monsieur Fouquet, if you do not wish to moulder away all your life as I have moldered. It is true you have fortunately other protectors. Monsieur Le Prince, for instance. Worn out! Worn out! Monsieur Le Comte de la Fere. Athos! Oh, that's different, yes, Athos. And if you have any wish to make your way in England, you cannot apply to a better person. I can even say, without too much vanity, 
that I myself have some credit at the court of Charles II. There is a king. God speed him!' "'Ah!' cried Raoul, with the natural curiosity of well-born young people, while listening to experience and courage. "'Yes, a king who amuses himself, it is true, but who has had a sword in his hand and can appreciate useful men. Athos is on good terms with Charles II. Take service there, and leave these scoundrels of contractors and farmers-general, who steal as well with French hands as others have done with Italian hands, leave the little sniveling king, who is going to give us another reign of Francis II. Do you know anything of history, Raoul? Yes, Monsieur le Chevalier. Do you know, then, that Francis II had always the earache? No, I did not know that. That Charles IV had always the headache. Indeed. And Henry III always the stomachache. Raoul began to laugh. Well, my dear friend, Louis XIV always has the heartache. It is deplorable to see a king sighing from morning till night without saying once in course of the day, ventre saint gris, coeur or anything to rouse one. Was that the reason why you quitted the service, Monsieur le Chevalier? Yes. But you yourself, Monsieur d'Artagnan, are throwing the handle after the axe. You will not make a fortune. Who? I replied d'artagnan in a careless tone i am settled i had some family property raoul looked at him the poverty of d'artagnan was proverbial a gascon he exceeded in ill luck all the gasconades of france and navarre raoul had a hundred times heard job and d'artagnan named together as the twins romulus and remus d'artagnan caught raoul's look of astonishment and has your father not told you I have been in England? Yes, Monsieur le Chevalier. And that I there met with a very lucky chance? No, Monsieur, I did not know that. Yes, a very worthy friend of mine, a great nobleman, a viceroy of Scotland and Ireland, has endowed me with an inheritance. An inheritance? And a good one, too then you are rich <laughs> receive my sincere congratulation thank you look that is my house place de greve yes don't you like this quarter on the contrary the lookout over the water is pleasant oh what a pretty old house the sign notre dame it is an old cabaret which I have transformed into a private house in two days. But the cabaret is still open. Pardieu! And where do you lodge, then? I, I lodge with Planchet. You said just now, this is my house. I said so because, in fact, it is my house. I have bought it. Ah! said raoul at ten years purchase my dear raoul a superb affair i bought the house for thirty thousand livres it has a garden which opens to the rue de la mortillerie the cabaret lets for a thousand livres with the first story the garret or second floor for five hundred livres 
indeed yes indeed five hundred livres for a garret why it is not habitable therefore no one inhabits it only you see this garret has two windows which look out upon the place yes monsieur well then every time anybody is broken on the wheel or hung quartered or burnt these two windows let for twenty pistoles oh said raoul with horror it is disgusting is it not said d'artagnan oh repeated raoul it is disgusting but so it is these parisian cockneys are sometimes real anthropophagi i cannot conceive how men christians can make such speculations that is true as for myself continued d'artagnan if i inhabited that house on days of execution i would shut it up to the very keyholes but i do not inhabit it and you let the garret for five hundred livres to the ferocious cabaretier who sublets it i said then fifteen hundred livres the natural interest of money said raoul five per cent exactly so i then have the left side of the house at the back storerooms and cellars inundated every winter two hundred livres and the garden which is very fine well planted well shaded under the walls and the portal of saint gervais saint porte thirteen hundred livres thirteen hundred livres why that is royal this is the whole history i strongly suspect some canon of the parish these canons are all as rich as croesus i suspect some canon of having hired the garden to take his pleasure in the tenant has given the name of monsieur godard that is either a false name or a real name if true he is a canon if false he is some unknown but of what consequence is it to me he always pays in advance i had also an idea just now when i met you of buying a house in the place bordier the back premises of which joined my garden and would make a magnificent property your dragoons interrupted my calculations but come let us take the rue de la vannerie that will lead us straight to monsieur planchet's d'artagnan mended his pace and conducted raoul to planchet's dwelling a chamber of which the grocer had given up to his old master planchet was out but the dinner was ready there was a remains of military regularity and punctuality preserved in the grocer's household d'artagnan returned to the subject of raoul's future your father brings you up rather strictly said he justly monsieur le chevalier oh yes i know athos is just but close perhaps a royal hand monsieur d'artagnan well never want my boy if you ever stand in need of a few pistoles the old musketeer is at hand my dear monsieur d'artagnan do you play a little never successful with the ladies then oh my little aramis that my dear friend costs even more than play it is true we fight when we lose that is a compensation bah that little sniveller the king makes winners give him his revenge what a rain my poor raoul what a rain 
when we think that in my time the musketeers were besieged in their houses like hector and priam in the city of troy and the women wept and then the walls laughed and then five hundred beggarly fellows clapped their hands and cried kill kill when not one musketeer was hurt mordieu you will never see anything like that you are very hard upon the king my dear monsieur d'artagnan and yet you scarcely know him i listen raoul day by day hour by hour take note of my words i will predict what he will do the cardinal being dead he will fret very well that is the least silly thing he will do particularly if he does not shed a tear and then why then he will get monsieur fouquet to allow him a pension and will go and compose verses at fontainebleau upon some mancini or other whose eyes the queen will scratch out she is a spaniard you see this queen of ours and she has for mother-in-law madame anne of austria i know something of the spaniards of the house of austria and next well after having torn off the silver lace from the uniforms of the swiss because lace is too expensive he will dismount the musketeers because the oats and hay of a horse cost five souls a day oh do not say that of what consequence is it to me i am no longer a musketeer am i let them be on horseback let them be on foot let them carry a larding-pin a spit a sword or nothing what is it to me my dear monsieur d'artagnan i beseech you speak no more ill of the king i am almost in his service and my father would be very angry with me for having heard even from your mouth words injurious to his majesty your father eh he is a knight in every bad cause pardieu yes your father is a brave man a caesar it is true but a man without perception now my dear chevalier exclaimed raoul laughing are you going to speak ill of my father of him you call the great athos truly you are in a bad vein to-day riches render you as sour as poverty renders other people pardieu you are right i am a rascal and in my dotage i am an unhappy wretch grown old a tent-cord untwisted a pierced cuirass a boot without a sole a spur without a rowel but do me the pleasure to add one thing what is that my dear monsieur d'artagnan simply say mazarin was a pitiful wretch perhaps he is dead more the reason i say was if i did not hope that he was dead i would entreat you to say mazarin is a pitiful wretch come say so say so for the love of me well i will say it mazarin was a pitiful wretch said raoul smiling at the musketeer who roared with laughter as in his best days a moment said the latter you have spoken my first proposition here is the conclusion of it repeat raoul repeat but i regret mazarin chevalier you will not say it then well then i will say it twice for you but you would regret mazarin 
and they were still laughing and discussing this profession of principles when one of the shop-boys entered a letter monsieur said he for monsieur d'artagnan thank you give it to me cried the musketeer the handwriting of monsieur le comte said raoul yes yes and d'artagnan broke the seal dear friend said athos a person has just been here to beg me to seek for you on the part of the king seek me said d'artagnan letting the paper fall upon the table raoul picked it up and continued to read aloud make haste his majesty is very anxious to speak to you and expects you at the louvre expects me again repeated the musketeer <laughs> laughed raoul oh replied d'artagnan what the devil can this mean End of chapter 52 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia